Hi, it's Roop here. I'm here with Dr. Nav, Dr. Jitthi, and Dr. Madhu. And today we're going to be talking about menopause. I know some people have been talking about this, but in a lot of circles, people are quiet. We don't know um, what's going on because our moms haven't talked about it. And even in our friend groups, we just talk about some symptoms, but are missing a lot of information. So is this a taboo topic? Do we not have enough research? Is there shame? What's going on, doctors? Great question, Roop, and I'm glad that we're talking about this topic uh, today because it's near and dear to my heart as someone that has gone through uh, perimenopause and menopause, which is what we're gonna be talking about right now. So let's first define what menopause actually is. So menopause is a natural event. All women that reach the age of a certain age in their lives go through menopause. And it's usually confirmed when you've missed your periods for over 12 consecutive months. And this is because your ovaries age out, which means that we have lower levels of estrogen and other hormones in our blood. And it also marks the permanent end of our fertility. So at what age do our ovaries start to die? <laughs> well, that's a harsh way of putting it, but uh, I would say on average, uh, the average age is about 51 um, across the world, uh, but it can occur earlier. It can start anytime. So let's say between the ages of 45 to 55, and it can even occur earlier in some women who have had uh, induction through having their ovaries removed surgically or having had chemotherapy. I think uh, a common thing that uh, people find confusing is what's the difference between menopause and perimenopause. Sometimes those words are used interchangeably and I think Nav gave us a very good description of what menopause is. Perimenopause is the transition period leading up to menopause and can last anywhere from six months to 10 years. And it's the transition between when you're able to childbear and when your uh, reproductive um, organs age out, as, uh, as Nav had mentioned. And uh, often many of the symptoms that we traditionally associate with menopause actually start during perimenopause. Mm -hmm. So I'm really glad we're talking about this because growing up, I don't remember my mom or my pua's or my masis or even family, friends, even ever mentioning like hot flashes or anything. I feel like our moms really just quietly took it on and soldiered on. And I, I think that speaks to a larger problem, which we'll address in a different podcast about how women put their own health concerns on the back burner. So I think it's so important that we do talk about it to uh, shed light and normalcy on this and allow women to seek treatment if they need to. Um, so let's move on to what are some of the symptoms. Um, I would say the most common symptom that people associate menopause with are hot flashes, the sweats, the chills. Uh, people will come in and they say, And so these things happen and all of a sudden you're taking clothes off, layers off, and you're layering back on. So that's a really common one. Yeah, and that is, you know, just the way that you described it is like, you, it's, a, it's a cold sweat essentially. Mm -hmm. And it basically, you starts in your chest or in your abdomen, it kind of goes up through your neck and into your hairline and suddenly you break out into a cold sweat. It can last for a couple of minutes and then you're cold. Um, so just like you said, you're like, first of all, you've got the covers, you're throwing them off and then suddenly you're sweating and you want them back on again. Like it's a, you know, on, off, on, off, all night long. Like sort a of switch. Situation. Mm -hmm. And, uh, and that often leads to sleep disturbances. Uh, women who are perimenopausal or menopausal um, can have sleep problems not only related to the hot flashes, but just sleep disturbances related to uh, the symptoms of menopause themselves. Mm -hmm. 
And I think a lot of other things that happen um, with the sleep disturbances as well are mood changes. So people become a little bit irritable. They can become a little bit down, depressed, or anxious. And these things, you know, you could be saying, hey, you know, everything in my life's going great. I have no clue why I'm feeling like this, which is very common at this age. So sometimes you'll feel this way due to these hormonal changes. Mm-hmm. And again, as women, we're sort of expected to soldier on, make sure everything's running smoothly in the house and not pay attention to ourselves. But this really does impact how you deal with your spouse, your children, extended families, and even your job. And as women, we get so used to not paying attention to our own symptoms. We just try to cover up, cover them up, move on and do what has to be done because we have tend to have a lot of responsibilities. Mm -hmm. True. So what Mm -hmm. you're saying is we really need to pay attention to our bodies and what they're telling us. And, um, and, and know what symptoms to expect when we're in this age. Yeah, I mean, and, and symptoms are very all over the board, but there are so many that are common to all women. So we've talked about some of them already. Mm-hmm. As you mentioned, the you know hot flashes and the night sweats and the uh, depre- depression mood changes. But even like simple things like, you know, your, your menstrual cycles will change during that perimenopause phase. You might become longer in between periods or that you might realize that you're, oh, it's only been 12 days that I'm getting my period again. Um, you know, even like things like vaginal dryness or mm-hmm. feeling like you've got to go pee. Like you've got, like you, you, you know, you don't have time to walk to the bathroom, like running because suddenly you've got to pee so quickly and you're worried that it might come out so things like that it's not just menstrual it's also urinary symptoms as well and uh of course vaginal dryness that's something most people are aware of around the time of menopause you basically dry out you lose all your moisture um (laughs) you make that sound so nice (laughs) (laughs) and it's not just vaginal dryness some people can get dry eyes as well Mm -hmm. and itchy scalps and uh dry skin yeah yeah I think with the, the, the vaginal dryness, what a lot of people also uh, don't understand, that can involve vaginal itching. Like people will be itching, like, oh my God, why am I itchy down there? And it's uh, because your skin's getting drier there. So that also is one of the symptoms. And also painful intercourse because you aren't as lubricated. And so intercourse can also be painful. And women just don't understand that. Um, along with the dryness, as Jeetha mentioned, even dry eyes. Um, thinning of the hair dry skin yeah so many many things um the other thing is we have so much on our plates that sometimes we feel like we're losing our minds at this age and the other day I couldn't find my cell phone and I looked all over for it and I opened the fridge to get something and it was in the fridge (laughs) so I have no idea when my cell phone really that's never happened to me (laughs) it's happened to me so um just your uh, brain fog, <laughs> because that was a brain fog thing. Your memory, your concentration. My kids are really tired of me going, can you please find my phone and hit, you know, the and they're just tired of it. My keys. Yeah. Or... <laughs> I go, mom, those are your standard questions. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, it could be multitasking. I don't know, but I think this is part of, part of the process as well. And some women get more headaches as well. Um, particularly those that are prone to headaches uh, during their uh, periods uh, may experience even more headaches as their hormonal levels are changing. And in some women, that can be migraines and it can be quite severe and debilitating. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I know that some women have, have had them really increase during the perimenopause <clears throat> period and they come in, you know, specifically at that age group and they're like, suddenly my migraines have started again. 
One other thing that I've uh, you know noticed as well um, is that what's common is weight redistribution. So not necessarily weight gain. Women are like, oh, I'm gonna you know I've gained weight because of menopause, but your actual number on the scale hasn't changed. It's just the location of the the fat distribution. <laughs> it becomes more like an apple, right? So it's now around your waist instead of your hips and your breasts. Uh, everything kind of just gets squished up into the middle, Lovely. like a tube of toothpaste. I like oh. to think. <laughs> Terrible. <laughs> <laughs> Terrible analogy, I know, but no, uh, no, that, that's and that unfortunately, that type of fat is really hard to get rid of. So, ladies, uh, it doesn't matter how many crunches we do; it's not going anywhere. That's really disheartening. Yeah. <laughs> so, is it true that um, some women will experience some of these symptoms, some will experience all of them, and some will barely experience any of them? That is true. Some will just sail through as if nothing happened. Um, some will be quite debilitated by it. But most of us will sort of have a smattering of all the symptoms here and there. And are there any precursors? Like if you had heavy periods, are you more likely to have more symptoms during menopause? Like we mentioned with the headaches, if you were prone to headaches um, during uh, PMS, then you're more likely to get headaches with menopause. Um, and we had talked a little bit about uh, mood disturbances and depression uh, women who um, experience uh, mood changes, again, around their menstrual cycles or have experienced postpartum depression seem to also be at increased risk of developing these type of symptoms during menopause or perimenopause. What can we do as women going through menopause? How can we alleviate some of these symptoms and feel better? I think there's different approaches, but we always recommend that we start out with the simplest, and really that is diet and exercise. So what can we control ourselves? And I think with uh, diet, it's avoiding processed foods, refined sugars, alcohol, just eating a healthy, clean diet, fruits, vegetables, multigrains, balanced. It's also important to exercise, to get your heart rate up at least, you know, a few times a week, so a total of 150 minutes, hopefully, and also weight-bearing exercises, because as we age, our bones also tend to not be as dense, so to keep our bone health strong, it's important to do some weight-bearing exercises. Um, some people will recommend supplements, uh, such as evening primrose oil, or black cohash, or vitamin B6. Um, most of this is based on an anecdotal evidence, and there's no real good studies to support the use of these supplements, and uh, they often are not well regulated either. Um, so I, I would talk to your doctor uh, before starting any of these supplements and also to ensure that there aren't any um, interactions with other medications that you're taking. Mm-hmm. And, you know, along the lines of, of diet, I think we could should also mention that there are things that would help if you didn't take them. And one of those things is alcohol, um, because alcohol tends to um, vasodilate you, means it uh, opens up your blood vessels even more and, and mimics a lot of those symptoms that you get um, during perimenopausal uh, phase. Um, so in moderation is fine, and, uh, but uh, just to be aware of the fact that there are certain things that will make your symptoms worse. Um, some medications that have been shown um, in multiple studies to be of benefit are um, antidepressants, um, a, a particular class called SSRIs, uh, which can help with hot flashes, but they can also help with some of those mood disturbances and uh, depression that are associated with menopause and perimenopause. Oh, I've never heard about that before. That's really interesting. Is this, is this new, um, new science? Um, no, it's been around for uh, a few decades now and uh, is well proven to help with uh, these type of symptoms. And again, it's just not talked about, so it's important yeah. to talk about. I think, as like you just said, I think a lot of people aren't aware. So it's not really, as Dr. Jeethi mentioned, it's not really for depression per se, but really to help with your symptoms. 
So in addition to these non-medicinal um, and uh, the, the antidepressant types of treatments, uh, I think one of the mainstays of therapy should also mention is hormone replacement therapy. And that is the synthetic hormones, estrogen and progesterone, that we use typically to treat hot flashes, but also other menopause symptoms such as uh, vaginal dryness and the um, lack of sleep. And uh, these are hormones that we give in different forms. So you can get them in pill form, you can get them in gel form or patches um, or vaginal rings that, um, that are vaginal gels that you can give it uh, specifically if you're only having specifically vaginal dryness symptoms. Um, and they are used in conjunction together. So if you are a woman that still has your uterus, i.e. you haven't had a hysterectomy, you would be getting both estrogen and progesterone. Um, but if you've had your uterus removed, you don't have to worry about the increased risk of um, cancer of the uterus and so you can get away with just getting um, estrogen alone and we'll talk a little bit more about that later on in the podcast and you know I have to say like I think hormone replacement therapy is the bomb uh, it literally <laughs> saved my it, it literally saved me I was having hot flashes up to 20 to 30 times per night uh, I wasn't sleeping. I was not functioning during the day. It was really hard to work and to manage a household um, and just like live day to day. Uh, I was very skeptical about hormone replacement because um, when I went through medical school, we had learned that it was great. That was back in the 90s. Uh, but then unfortunately, there was a, a large set of studies in, in the early 2000s that was a poor set of studies that said that they weren't that good and they caused other side effects that were uh, undesirable. Uh, and as a result, millions of women around the world stopped taking hormone replacement and the doctors stopped prescribing. And I think as long as you start it uh, around the time of perimenopause, when your symptoms first start, close to the age of menopause, at a younger age, yes, absolutely, it's a safe medication and safe set of drugs to take. And how do you get it? It's also important to know it's short term. So you're not on it for life. Right. So and so do you just go to your doctor and say, I'm having these symptoms? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Easy. Yeah. And if your doctor, you know, is hesitant about them, um, you can show them studies that have been done. And we'll talk a little bit about how effective they are and what, why they're good for you, what the pros and cons are, because we want you to be having an informed decision. We don't want you to just take our word for it. We want you to know why you think you should take them and why your doctor thinks you should be on them. And so it's a really um, important conversation to have with your physician as to why you should be on them or yeah, why you shouldn't be on them. Yeah. Don't deny your symptoms. We just want to open the door for a conversation. So that you can do something about your health. You know, for so long, w w women have been denying our, you know, we've been denying our symptoms and we've been downplaying them. So I think this is like really good conversation to have to know that this is sort of the list of things that can happen to you. And um, this is what, you know, we can do about it. And like, we shouldn't be brushing these symptoms under the rug. Like, no. talk to your doctor so that you can get help. Like, you don't need to suffer, Nav. You suffered for quite some time with like 20 hot flashes She also suffered because of, and she's a physician because of misinformation. Mm -hmm. So our goal here exactly. is to not, uh, not be, to sort of uh, open the door for conversation, yeah. but also shed some light on what the misinformation is. Quick story that I read was, um, it was a, a doctor, a specialist, and she worked with women in menopause. And, uh, you know, she was, I guess she was in her 40s or something. And she didn't realize she was going through menopause until... Her teenage daughter said to her, Mom, you seem to be in a bad mood all the time. Mm -hmm. And that's when she sort of connected the dots that, oh, my God, I'm having these symptoms and realizing that there was, um, you know, treatment that, that she could be dealing with. Um, so 
so there's pros and cons to treatment, right? Like, I mean, some women may choose it and some women may not. So why would one choose to do this? Well, I mean, obviously we've talked about the resolution of symptoms, so that's really important and I won't belabor that point anymore. But other pros are it actually decreases your risk of fractures because it's decreasing osteoporosis. So your bone density, your bone strength increases. Um, the other thing is, what women don't realize is once you hit menopause, you're at the same risk factor as a male for cardiovascular disease. That's heart attacks. And With that cardiovascular risk, I think it's also important to notice that, um, or to note that, especially in women who have a lot of uh, these so-called, quote, vasomotor symptoms, so symptoms of hot flashes, sweats, uh, women that have high incidence of that are also more prone to cardiovascular disease. Uh, so that association will be lowered and your risk of cardiovascular disease will be even further lowered if you start the um, hormone treatment early on. I think one of the fears um, that a lot of women talk about with uh, hormone replacement therapy is the risk of cancer. Mm-hmm. And um, in, especially in those initial studies that were reported in the early 2000s, the risk of breast cancer was uh, hit the media and was uh, emphasized. Um, but some of that was related to the flaws in the study, the age group in which that study was done in, being in an older age group, as well um, as the fact that they talked about uh, relative risks rather than absolute mm-hmm. risks. And the actual absolute risk of developing breast cancer is actually quite small. Uh, unless you have other risk factors. Um, What we do know is that if you use uh, estrogen by itself and uh, you have a uterus, that your risk of uterine cancer is in fact increased, but that um, effect can be mitigated by using estrogen with progesterone. These are the symptoms, these are the pros and cons of various kinds of treatment. But at the end of the day, go back to your family yeah. doctor, right? Like you, Because only your family doctor knows your history and what else you have going on and what treatment would be best for you. Exactly. I think what we, the purpose for all four of us is to really just talk about something that was taboo and untalk, no one talked about. Yeah. And so we just want to talk about it. It's there. We're with you. There are symptoms. It's real. Don't be mm-hmm. ashamed. Go talk to your doctor. See what you want to do and what works for you. It's a very individually tailored. It's not a one size fits all. Yeah, yeah. And there's lots of great resources out there for women to look up uh, information for themselves. Uh, one of the websites that my doctor told me about was menopause.org. It's got tons of great information and, and clinically relevant as well. And if your family doctor is uncomfortable or unaware of how to prescribe certain types of treatment for menopause or to deal with certain types of symptoms associated with menopause or perimenopause. The website that Dr. Nav mentioned also lists uh, specialists in uh, menopause um, that you can be referred to in order to discuss these things in further detail. So thanks for your medical opinions and your thoughts today, Dr. Madhu, Dr. Nav, and Dr. Jiti. It has been great to um, get this information, and I hope everybody has taken a little bit of information that they can use. If you want to catch up on what we're doing, please check out our Instagram channel, Avaz underscore voice on Instagram. See you again. Bye. The information in this podcast is not a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment.